We are all part of each other's stories. And Matthew C. Winner looks forward to creating new stories with his students each and every year. Welcome to Amongst the Books, a podcast for kids, by kids, and yes, adults too. I was very lucky to speak with celebrated teacher librarian, Matthew C. Winner. Matthew is the host of the Children's Book Podcast and Kids Lit These Days Podcast for Book Riot, and is a true lover of books, writing, and expressing the stories that need to be told. We dive into library issues and how we connected with students during the lockdown. So please, join me as I get to talk with Matthew, a true champion of reading. I just really want to say thank you for doing this because, yes, as a fan, I wanted to get to talk to you, but also because um, I don't know if you've experienced it, especially since we've had to go into this lockdown virtual learning environment, that as a librarian, it definitely changed like the role completely for us. Of course. And yeah. how, I mean... I, my, like my library is like just a, a social place, a meeting place for the kids and teachers. Yeah, what level do you work? In? So I'm with uh, middle schools. So I have okay. fifth to eighth grade. So they would be coming in all the time. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, and now not being able to connect with the kids that way, yeah. that's kind of why I want to just like talk with you and see like what you're doing to like how you've been handling all this. And then also like, what do you see for the future happening with libraries as well with what know, we've been right. doing so it's, it's a like, time for advocacy for sure absolutely. i mean it always it always has been but like how do you advocate for a library program when now we don't have library not programs yet, like Lord. we have not yet we are going for about another two weeks i want to say two three weeks that's what howard county is doing too yeah. sure so, so my wife is a general music teacher and my my kids i have a 10 year old and a five-year-old okay they both are doing virtual school or nine-year-old he's about to be 10 but we at, at my school, we could talk about this, yeah. but at my school, we um, went straight into virtual learning because yeah. we are pulling kids from all across the whole state. So we had say, to have yeah. something in mind. And so we just jumped straight in. So we did 10 or 11 weeks of school and just wrapped up and it, it, wow. it was great. And we learned as we went, but um, yeah. But what we'll, did you I'm find? Sure talk some, about that more later. Yeah. What did you find were some of the biggest challenges though? Cause I just actually got off a meeting with some teachers where <laughs> Some are getting so incredibly frustrated at this point because they're like, we feel like we're not really connecting with the kids anymore. That we yep. feel like the kids have just kind of tuned out to learning in general at this. Yeah, they have, of course. Right? I mean, yeah. of course they have. Of course they've tuned out. Yes. Um, we, I mean, one of the advantages in that way to our school jumping straight into virtual school was that there wasn't this gap between going on quarantine and starting online learning. We took a week that was already scheduled for spring break and we did spring break right. and just said when, and most people then just didn't travel, but we said, when we return, we will be doing this virtual model and our school closed a day early for students so that the staff could have, our, our pre-K to 12 staff could have training for, this is what we're going to go into. Yeah. But to their credit, my administration in the lower school um, 
every single week was questioning, how can we be doing this better? Right. Where are we having challenges? Where do we need to ride this out? And where do we need to change things? So yeah. as a specialist, as a, as a elementary school librarian that sees classes on a regular schedule, we started off asynchronistically creating lessons through an app called Seesaw yeah. um, that the school pays for and pushing them out that way. Right. And then for some of us, we um, pivoted to doing synchronous lessons. So the, the second half of virtual school um, until we had finished um, recently, I was doing, I was meeting with my classes in real time, but instead of for 45 minutes, just for about 20 minutes, yeah. reading them a story and having a discussion with them in real time. And that worked out really, really well for me, for what I was trying to accomplish with them. And um, I also, all of the specialists were part of the uh, morning circles and closing circles with our partner teachers. So we, we were perhaps even more active in the day-to-day -day of a classroom teacher right. and partnering with classroom teachers, which I think ultimately led to a much tighter relationship with classroom teachers that will carry into when we are looking at whatever blended model we end up looking at yeah. in the fall. There's no way we can, I think anywhere, there's no way we all can just go back to school. Oh, yeah, but whatever, no. the, whatever the model looks like, Emily, I'm confident that, I mean, my school has modeled that we've continued to question what school looks like right mm -hmm. now. And right. so I think that we'll continue to question and we'll, we'll figure it out. And I feel good about that. Yeah, like that's the one thing where it's like I've been able to connect with some of the kids and some of the teachers and everything. And in being able to do that, I'm able to see those that are striving more in this type of environment because yeah. I feel like, and when I've talked to them about it, they've even said, they're like, well, I can pace myself a lot more. Like I can focus so one day on just my math stuff. And the next day I'm focusing just on my English, my language arts. And Can we talk it, about that? Yeah, go for because it. I, I think there's a thing that kids aren't saying that we can intuit. And this is okay. I don't, I don't know that we're all giving kids the platform to really talk this through. Right. But I think that for some children, not a lot, because we were seeing it too, though. I think for some children, removing the social aspect of yes. school has helped them to focus more on, on the way they are applying themselves to their own learning. But I they're totally just, agree. We, we tend in general to value this social aspect of schooling and there is absolutely something there. Oh yeah. But, but, but to not be comparing yourself constantly to those kids that are participating, raising their hand, volunteering, right. to be able to just go at your pace and figure it out on your own pace and still have access to your teacher yes. to talk you through things. I think we're seeing to a greater degree, more individualized instruction. And I can't imagine how we're gonna go back to the oh. way we used to teach when we have seen the value of individualized instruction for these I kids. I completely agree. Like, so I get, I have like this one fifth grade class that was just, oh, I mean, I love them to death, but they had a bunch of like scutches in there where they just try to rile it up. And they were always, and like, I'm a sarcastic person. They knew that. So they would try to get the little sarcastic things in. And I was always having to pull these two kids aside and say, okay, guys, we, we understand there's a time and a place for everything. That right now, this is learning time. We can't be interrupting every five seconds. And 
everyone else is looking at you as you're a leader. And so I was having this conversation with them every single time. I got an email from one of them saying like, and this just happened the other day saying like, thank you so much for putting up with me and for being so understanding with me and tolerating me. He goes, I realize now that I was doing it more for attention. And I was like, oh, where was this? You know what? That's not bad. No. You need attention. I want to give you my attention. Exactly. I can't because there's 20 or 30 of you that need my attention. But I want to give that to you. I mean, we are all, everyone, not just the librarians or the classroom teachers or the whomever, everybody is working twice as hard as we were before. Absolutely. Which we can make an argument for like, hey, when, when all the cards fall, maybe we can look at paying teachers more equitably. Yes. But I think the commitment teachers have to seeing these children and mm-hmm. to trying to give the attention they all deserve, there's a yeah. lot to be said for that. We are it trying is. really hard. It is. Because I always feel like I'm missing that one kid every time I have a are. class. And I always just feel like I'm like, oh, well, they're, de- like, they're great. Like they're taking care of everything. They know what they're doing. And I feel like I'm not giving them the amount of attention because I know that they got it. But I have the other ones that like, I really want to refocus. So it's like, yeah, it's wanting to hit every kid and not being able to in this world, like this, this current environment is killing some of us that we're not able to do it. And, but like you said, like everybody wants some of the attention and this is a great way that it's been able to happen for some of these kids. Yeah, I wonder if in the frustration of some of us feeling that low of being socially isolated, this, this like COVID malaise that we're going yeah. through, I wonder if it's helping in some way to build our empathy for what it feels like to walk through the world, whether we're talking about yeah. walking through the world in school or in, 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 in a privileged environment, however you're talking about right. it, um, for us to be able to consider other people more, I think is something that, that I hope I can personally take away yeah. from this to, to, to really be seeing people. I think that I definitely have now been able to see what others do go through Mm. on a daily because I was always judging it off of like oh well like I I have all these things I need to take care of today and all like my list of things I need to do and focus 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 but now I'm able to see like well wait a minute this person has just as much on their plate they're dealing with all of this this person has this and this is now this person is now dealing with something they never thought they'd have to deal with so yeah it definitely has changed the way I know for me to way to look at everything, but I think for the kids too. I think the kids are really starting to see that too. Yeah, and I mean, look at us in the special areas where we've had to radically reconsider what it looks like to engage children now. Right. And in an environment, same with the classroom teachers, but in an environment where we are being observed constantly. Yep. And so, making every move count is exhausting and necessary. Mm -hmm. And I think about what you were asking me before, what it means to, to be a librarian now and what that looks like. You know, we spent, as I'm, as I've been used to doing for 15 years, we spent all of our budget by like February. We were done. We were done spending money. And then suddenly we can't access our collection. And where I have in the, in an elementary school, 
always focused on physical books because that's that's how kids access books. They yes. need to hold something. They need to put it in their desk. They need to whatever. Yep. It's it's very privileged to assume people can access things on devices, but now you can't get to that collection. Right. And it's hard to think about that. And it's hard now to even be thinking about when I go into the next school year, if I have a budget, right. um, if I have a job, if I, there's a lot of big ifs, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I feel confident that I will have a job where I am. I feel confident yes. that I will have a budget where I am. But other people are asking big questions. And I think about like how how we've always in this library profession fought to make ourselves visible. Good librarians know that we have to. We have to show how everything um, can really be centered in the library. Identity and research and and voice can all be centered through what we do in our good work in the library if we are doing that good work. And to have to face difficult decisions over budgets. I mean, my my kids go to a, a county where, like many, they had to find some money to be able to buy devices, to be able to provide for those kids. If we are saying you've got to be on virtual school, but you don't have access, have a, what in the world are we doing? Right, right. It comes down to the, equi- like the equity and equ- like all that stuff. But then now and that money has to go from some, somewhere. Right, so. it has to come from somewhere. And where does right. it go to? So, so to it be is. thinking about who's going to lose their job or what, what are we going to let go of in right. order to pay for those things is a really hard conversation. And one that has the potential to pit us against other, other colleagues. Yes. And that's also really, really it's, hard. Yeah. It's a situation that you don't want to be in. Cause I've had no. conversations with other librarians throughout the state and um, I've had conversations with other special teachers and they were all like, we've all had the same concerns where it was just like, well, we've been hearing that, you know, to make some of these virtual things now work and increase technology that we got to start getting rid of some positions or some programs. And it's just like, well, how do you pick which one's valuable and which one's not anymore? Have you thought about that as a librarian in your own position? I have actually, because I go between two schools. So there were originally two middle school librarians. And then when I started, I became the only one for two schools. So I was able to see them lose an entire single person for one school. And now just, I go back and forth. So it's always in the back of my head that it's like, well, if they could let go of just one, like it's very easy for them to let go of me and then just have it be more of like, we're coming in to check out books only for this. So it, it's definitely something that hits my mind because in talking with a lot of other librarians in my district, there were ones that have said like, yeah, no, we've, we've got, like not my district, my state, like they've gotten rid of the librarian completely. Like it's not even a place. It's hard to hear. That's really hard to hear. It is. I and think it's, about. It's frustrating to hear. Because it's such, the library is more than just a place where you can go and get a book and do some research. It is really a safe space for a lot of kids. Um, It is a place where the teachers can come and collaborate with each other and with you and get resources that they might not have thought of. It is a place to build smaller one-on-one personal relationships with kids Mm. through what they're reading. and it's a way to introduce new concepts and new 
thoughts to people. So I wonder what each of us have done up to this point and right. now going forward, what we've done to advocate for those things. Right. Are those things that we say to one another in the library field, or are these things that our administrators could say about us without us prompting? Exactly, right. And that's hard to think of. I also think about like, in that thought of how you make yourself indispensable, in the thought of how ALA lays out that we have different roles, not just as, 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 as folks that help circulate those materials, but also as information specialists and technology right. specialists and collaborators, I think about which, which directions we in our own schools could go in order to, to paint an idea of what our role could look like in the right. months and years ahead, to be able to say, I'm already thinking about this. Right. So while you might not need me to circulate materials or you might still need me to use a portion of my time to promote the digital tools that we have, right. something you need me to help with might be um, the technology infrastructure to support all this online learning right. or a parent component, or maybe, um, especially given recent time where now schools are like trying to figure out what they are doing in, um, in line with social justice work and anti-bias, anti-racist work. There are places that we can step into um, and be experts and be allies and, and help, to, help to really define what school's going to look like moving forward, help be part of those conversations. And so I think that about, that I don't, I think libraries have always been changing. I think that that's a normal oh. thing. And I think that that's probably Emily is what leads a lot of people to not understand what libraries are like because every generation our libraries have redefined themselves. Exactly. It but, really is. It's the chameleon of the school in a sense that it is able to, maybe not the maybe not chameleon is not the right word, but it, it's adaptable. It changes to go with the times and help still facilitate a learning environment where- what, are, what is that metaphor there? What are we? Are we like the, I, the new, the new wow. Apple iPhone of the school, that, like, we are the new model that is looking at, here's the pulse of what's going on yes. and we're going to help connect you, but we're going to continue looking at when is it time for an upgrade? Right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I, know. I know. I feel like we're always upgrading. That's the problem. Like once you get a handle on it, it's like, nope, a new layer is coming in and you got to change and adapt and find yeah, a way to gotta know when it's time for a new iOS, right? Exactly. Yes. I can't have my phone telling me, but but yeah, I, um, no, and that's yeah. it's a tough situation that we all find ourselves in right now. But it's going to be tougher if we, if any of us, but it's going to, if speaking from the library perspective, it's going to be tougher the more rigid we make ourselves. Yes. Same with virtual school. For those um, individuals that, that became really rigid about what we were going to do and, um, you know, some people are teachers of record, uh, even in the special areas, so they need to be collecting um, participation from children, yeah. records of participation. And those of us that are rigid and come down on the side of, well, this kid only participated one time out of the however many times they were supposed to and, and, and wanting to be punitive in that we, not that we should pass everyone along, but if we're stepping into this and, and not looking at the best in people and not looking at how to be an ally right. and how to help bring people forward, then we're missing what it means to be a librarian. Exactly. Librarians don't leave people behind. Right. No, exactly. We leave no man behind. Like we're there till like the last person walks out of that room and has and walked away with something that's how i always like to look at it 
Like I always like to say like, what'd you walk in with? Like in a sense, and they are coming in with nothing or they're coming in with questions and I'm making sure they're leaving with something or with an answer. And it's like, that is my job is to find something for you that is going to work for you. And it's definitely like, I'm always like, even if I see you once a year, you came in to see me and you knew that I was going to be the one to be able to help you. So you came and tried to find the way to get what you needed. So you came to someone that could help. So I'm glad that you come in. Cause I got kids a lot of times, eighth grade, like the last time I was in here was in the sixth grade. I'm like, yeah, I know. I haven't seen you since the sixth grade, but you're here now. So what can I do for you? And yeah. they agree because they realize it. And they're just like, oh, yeah, I remember all this. I'm like, yeah, still here. I mean, it, and it won't surprise you to know that in, in elementary school, in the lower school, um, I am often working. I want to use an I statement because I can't speak for other, right. other colleagues. But I'm working constantly to build a story with these children to know yeah. that they're part of my story and I'm part of theirs and that we have this story to tell so that I don't, I don't mean to lift us up in a way that is unfair, but I, I feel like it's fair to say that the, the, using the library as a life skill, and yeah. it's a life skill we don't often talk about, but it's one that exists beyond school. We it want does. you to be using the library, your public library, accessing information. We want you to be doing this for the rest of your life. And so part of that means that we can't fail together. We need right. to bond. We need to connect. And I think about um, how sometimes it takes deliberately asking children about our story. Remind me of, remind me of what we've done together. Remind right. me of moments that have stuck while I also model for you those moments. I had a um, fourth grader as we were uh, having our closing time together, among many things. I think my fourth graders yeah. would tell you this year, this is the first year at this school for me. Um, wow. And they would tell you though that, that uh, some of them would tell you that their, their memory of me, their favorite memory of me perhaps, was when I ran in holding my laptop <laughs> and saying, the Coretta Scott King Award is being named right now. You need to sit. Can we look? Teacher, can we look? Yes, come look. And we all huddled around and we collectively lost our minds as yeah. books that we were that we were learning and studying for our mock Coretta Scott King Award were recognized. Yeah. And then that new kid was recognized and then the Newberry was named and new kid yeah. was recognized there. And those all become moments of our story that the kids then were talking um sharing back with me right. um, at the end of the year. And, and we, were, we were walking together in the story. Mm -hmm. my, I, I, I'm smiling because another one of my students, I'll call her by name, Haley, um, said that one of her favorite moments <laughs> was, um, apparently I had told them, and I totally forgot this until they brought it up. But um, in one of our silly moments, Haley said that I had told her, um, get your hand, nope, other way, backwards. <laughs> get your face out of my hand. <laughs> Haley, get your face out of my hand, meaning yes. <laughs> the opposite. But in our silliness, um, I couldn't even get my words straight. And that was something that that imprinted yeah. on her. And to know that, as we know, but to know in teaching that some of the most important things that we do with children are going to be things that don't happen while we're directly teaching them. Right. 
that yes. I think is an important reminder. So for you to remind that kid that like, yeah, we last saw each other in sixth grade, but our story is picking up right now. Exactly. So what can we do now? Right. Um, to live like this the is the next chapter. Way. What are we doing? So yeah, yeah like I, I sit back and I talk with some of my kids that are like graduating eighth grade and they say to us like, we remember when we did the scavenger hunt in the library and you had us looking for all these books and then you gave us lo lollipops. I'm like, yeah, I know. I, tr I, I bribed you with lollipops, but you learned something. You, you found remember. out where everything was. And um, look how that memory was a happy place. Imagine how in elementary schools, some of us grade and I'm glad that yeah. we're on the report card. So it's harder to cut our programs. I, right. I can see all the things, but by grading, you have the potential to tell a child that your reading habits, yeah. your willingness to investigate questions earned you a failing grade, yeah. which feels it's, like a judgment on ethics or something versus yes. like, it just feels like this is, if that's your story that, you, that yeah. I, that's not something I want to participate in. Um, so knowing that, that we have these, these points of influence throughout our careers, no matter if you're in an elementary or middle or high school, and that we need to be really careful of how we use those, that, that your children, that your students are sharing back with you joy. Right. Remember yeah. when I got this candy, or it doesn't matter what the joy was, there's yeah. joy that they're linking with that. That's hopefully an emotional memory that they will apply onto future library experiences. Right. Well, because I always say, too, that we're one of the positions, the lucky positions in the school systems, that we get to see all the kids throughout the entire course of their time in the school, that it's not just like, okay, I'm in like, like the fifth grade group, I'm the fifth grade teacher, I'm only going to see these kids for one year and teach them for one year. I might see them throughout the hall, but I'm really only going to teach them for one year. And then... Like seventh grade, same thing. Like I'm only going to teach them for seventh grade. We get to see them like I'll see them like in fifth grade and then I see them again every single year. Yeah. And it's just like I get to see you really grow. And I, I always feel like we are such a constant in that sense for that. I where, get to see my kid. I mean, working in elementary school, yeah. I get to see my kids go from not reading to reading. To reading. And that's to the not biggest. To having a reading or an identity as a reader potentially. Yes. It's it's huge. Yeah. Like when I get those kids that were strictly, and I'm not knocking it. I, cause I love graphic novels to death, but when I see those kids that only read like maybe big Nate their entire time. And then all of a sudden by like seventh, eighth grade, I see them picking up like, and I'm going to use a Harry Potter just, but I see them pick up a Harry Potter. I'm just like, wait a minute. I remember when you were only read books with pictures in them and that was it. And now you're reading full-fledged novels and it was always such a bright spot to me that I would see them grow that much in a sense so yeah. I really just love that part of being in the library where I can see such a growth in them just not only reading wise but also just physically and emotionally too that I get to yeah. see them grow I used up. to be a classroom teacher and that bond that you have over the course of a year is intense and beautiful. Oh, yeah, it is. But there's something just different about being a specialist and neither is, is better. They're just different. Right. And they're just a different and environment. You really have to value the path that you're on and see Absolutely. what a what a privilege it is to be able to work with children, period. So what got you into what made you want to be a librarian then, going from a classroom? An, an amazing librarian. But really, that's what that yeah. is? Uh, when I interned at 
I think like a lot of teachers, I had to intern at two different placements. I interned mm-hmm. in, in a first grade placement and a fourth grade placement. I was ultimately offered a position on that fourth grade team the following okay. year. Um, but in, in working on, in interning on that fourth grade team, I collaborated with this librarian, Louise Wall, who was just wonderful. And I thought, how, how could I not want to work with her? She was excited to work with me. And she knew I was like into technology and, and look at these things that I could bring to her. And I was right. like, I'm brand new. And you think I have something to offer you? <laughs> she really modeled the true spirit of collaboration was that every yeah. one of us has something to offer and something to gain. And um, I was then, as I said, hired that following year and that first year, my first year of teaching, I wanted to continue my schooling because I, I like being in school. I like yeah. learning and I wanted to keep that momentum going. And in Maryland, you have to, I believe, start your master's within the first five years. That sounds yeah. about. Standard. Yeah. June Jersey's is the same thing. Yeah. Okay. So we had to start within the first five years, but I just said, well, why don't I start now? Yeah. And, and Louise said, I really think you should consider being in the library because this, 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 I know you love literature. You could teach all of the children, you could whatever. And it just was like, yeah, I mean, why not? Why wouldn't I do that? Um, It felt the most right. And I started a program that I didn't even finish my program before I was offered a job in the library because I was surplused from the school where I was working, I was redistricted when the school, when a new school opened in the county. Okay. We lost population, um, lost numbers. And so the, the last ones in are the first ones out. Yeah. But that was an opportunity for me to, because I was within a year of my certification and had my teaching degree, it was an opportunity to apply for library positions as well. So I was offered a fourth grade position at one school and a library position at another. And I took the library position. Okay. Um, and I spent six years at that school. And then I opened a brand new elementary school and oh. you know, hand selected all 20,000 of our items in that collection. And then I went back with a previous principal for two years um, at another elementary school. And then I um, accepted a position this year at an independent school, at a private school that is uh, pre-K-12, but I'm the lead lower school librarian for lower school pre-K-4. So this is my, what does that make it? One, two, three, four, my fifth school, 15 years teaching. And I just finished then my 13th year in the library. Wow. And it's been a great ride. I don't honestly see myself anywhere else. I have my administration and supervision certificate because I thought that what I might want to do is is lead through the library program Mm -hmm. but um, the more I did that work the more I realized that I get my energy and my inspiration from working directly with children yeah and so that's sort of in my back pocket but not something I I put time into yeah um same with I have my national board certification which was a great process to do but 10 years has already passed and I haven't renewed it because I felt like it was a good practice for me to do then, but now I right. have other things that I'm working on now. Yeah. You have other so, projects. Yeah. So it's been, it's been a good ride so far. Yeah. Now I, I give you so much credit for opening a new library. Number one, I've had to do that. So my first year out, I was put in a high school that was blending two former high schools together oh, and wow. it became, I walked in and the principal just said, okay, here's your space, fill it. 
here's all these boxes, make it work. I'm like, oh, this is literally year one for me. What am I doing? And it became a very stressful few months trying to figure everything out, but putting that together. And then we redid one of the libraries I'm at right now a few years ago, five years ago now. And that was another where it was like, all right, let's start from scratch. What is this going to look like? Clean slate. Let's do this all over again. And so that's why I give anybody any credit when they have to do a whole library and think about what it's going to look like. And really to, over the course of your career, continue to challenge yourself and ask, what is this library program going to look like? Exactly. And more importantly, how is it going to reflect the needs of my students? Do I really know the needs of my students or am I guessing the needs of my students? Yeah. And it took me a number of years to recognize that I was guessing before and now I'm yeah. listening. Yeah, that's definitely something because I've been going about trying to like redo the libraries I'm in right now. And okay, let's really see what is being used and how is it being used and what are the kids really asking for? Mm-hmm. And I've noticed more and more that yes, you know, nonfiction books are very valuable to have on the shelf. They're not being checked out as much as specific nonfiction books, but more or less the fiction books. Like the kids, I've noticed with my middle school kids, when they're reading for pleasure, they want to hold on to the book. When they're reading for information, they'll do it on a screen or they'll do it oh, with a, interesting, yeah. like a printout. They don't need the actual book. So I've been able to now go, okay, so focus more of my book budget towards getting in the fiction books that the kids really want to be reading and multiple copies so they can have reading groups while my nonfiction budget goes more towards more eBooks in a sense so that they can have it on their home, wherever they, whenever they need it. And I've noticed that just by talking to them and talking with the teachers and seeing how the teachers are seeing their own libraries being used. So I was like, all right, this made me really rejudge now how to lay out my libraries now too, and what's going to work and what's not. Yeah, the balance between listening to what people are asking for Mm -hmm. and trying to provide, how do you even say it? I want to give you something that you didn't know you needed it until I handed it to you. And now you realize how much you need it. Yes. Right. Because a lot of times everyone's just so stuck in like, and I don't want to say stuck, but they're like just used to it. Like, oh, I've always Mm -hmm. used this. And it's like, okay, but you know that there's might be something different. And I always like being able to throw that little extra different in with their standard stuff. So then they always come back to like, wait, what's this? I'm like, oh, yes. See, this is now available to you. And these links are now available to you. Or this series is available. And they're always coming back and they're just like, we had no idea that was happening. Oh, yeah. I mean, I tell children, and and specifically children, but I tell the staff as well, that this is their library. It Mm -hmm. is their library. And if it is not meeting your needs, you need to tell me because I need to, that is my problem. Yeah, I need to fix it. It is not your problem that this library is not meeting your needs. It's my problem. Exactly. Yeah, because it's definitely, it's hard when I have to turn people away saying, like, I don't have this. I have nothing to give you. And it just makes me just, it makes my heart sink that I'm like, what did I, not, I, I did not provide them with anything. I didn't give them even an idea of something that they could do because I just don't have the resources for them. And it made me really go back and look and say, I need to rejudge how I get my information from everybody. And what am I really doing to help all these people out? 
and not just maybe the one or two that come in all the time that I know are going to come in all the time regardless. So I need to get those that don't come in a lot. So that's how I have to always look at it. That's it. All right. Well, Matt, I don't want to take up a lot of your time. So um, I can talk about library stuff. I know. Or ever. I, I know. Or ever. I know. I know. And like I do it. I find myself doing it so much more now because people always ask me like, well, you're a librarian. So what are you really doing with everybody? Like during this virtual learning stuff? I'm like, oh, you'd be surprised. I'm fielding emails constantly from kids where my Chromebook broke or this doesn't work or how do I submit this? And how do I, I'm like, okay. <laughs> and then just my normal classes. So it's like, I'm like, I'm just as busy as I always was. I spent most of my time in virtual school when I was doing synchronous lessons, mm -hmm. being vulnerable with my students yeah. and saying, this is a book that I need. And maybe you need to hear it now too. A picture book, like why do we cry yeah. or other books that, that tap into social emotional learning or the tap into addressing microaggressions and bias, just things that I know we're not in each other's company right now. I know we can't see each other, but you know, this is the work that we started together and we are going to keep doing it together. Yeah. I'm going to keep working to give you those windows and mirrors that you need. I'm going to keep doing that. And I'm so grateful. Not only that they all know my first name now, because when they yeah. go to email me, they're like, your I, first name is Matthew. And I'm like, it's totally Matthew. You're right. It, yeah. Don't call me Matthew. Right. But you're right. It is. It um, is. <laughs> but they, they send me emails through a system that we have set up. Right. Um, and that, to be able to model access to them, you have access to me. I am here to serve you. Yeah. And that might look like you're writing a story and you want to share the story with me. Like one of my fourth graders regularly shares stories with me. Yeah. It might look like you just want to tell me how your day's going or you want to just check in or you want a suggestion for a book. All those things are valid and I don't ever want any of them to stop. We did a, um, a, a meeting or a summer reading cook-off kickoff with their uh, middle school librarians and while the, the middle school librarians were book talking with them, we also reiterated that I am here too, that right. I want you, I, I believe in, and I have strong faith in, and I support your middle school librarians, but that doesn't mean that I'm going away. Right. And if for a time of transition or forever, you need to keep coming to me and talking, I'm here. Yeah. And so um, that work has continued. I also did a, um, an evening story time, three nights a week, for our entire lower school community, um, including incoming students as well as students in pre-K to four, where I was reading three books a night and then we would sort of bring in other faculty members to read as well. Right. Yeah. Uh, just a time that we can be together and connect over story and affirm that we're family. Because I think that, again, in how we are part of one another's stories, we all need, we need to hear that we matter in each other's stories, so. Absolutely. And work yeah. doesn't stop. No, it doesn't. And that's, I think, what drove a lot of us to go into this profession to begin with. Like teachers, librarians, specials, teachers, like the administration, like that's was our goal was to be able to connect with kids and, you know, really help them work through some of the bigger issues in life that 
you know, maybe they couldn't talk to their parents about, but they could talk to someone else like us um, and just be able to be there in their life as a support system, as a champion for some of the things that they are doing that maybe they're not getting anywhere else. Um, that, yeah, we're the advocate for them. Like, that's yeah. why I was like, look, like, I'm here to make, I tell a lot of my kids, I'm like, I will be your I biggest them, champion, but, like, but I will always be here for you in any way that you need. Like, I will support you, so. I tell them, this is from a song, uh, part of the lyrics are from a song, but I tell them that, um, that I love them and that you can make me angry, but you're not going to lose my love, no. uh, but I might be angry and that's okay. Yeah. But you're not going to lose my love. Right, exactly. And that's, it's one of the best feelings I have when I get to connect with the kids in that way, where they get it. They just see, they're like, we know we can go to Miss S and cry to her if we need to, or shout if we are feeling stressed or go and she'll make us giggle and laugh because she'll just be sarcastic and funny with us and say crazy things and do it. You're totally a middle school librarian. (laughs) Yeah. She's like, and she'll do like, I had one kid ask me the one time, they're like, you do yoga, right? I'm like, yeah, like do a headstand. I'm like, okay. So I just did a headstand and they're just like, wait, what, what's going on right now? Here I am going, love, love, love. And you're going sarcastic, sarcastic. Sarcasm, sarcasm, sarcasm. All different, all different forms of loving these kids. Exactly. Yes. So, but yeah, I think that that's something that we're definitely going to be able to advocate with when we, have to go back and advocate yeah. even more for this position in a lot of ways. So, but, I think so too. It'll be good. But again, Matthew, thank you so much. Um, this is a pleasure getting to talk with you because, like I said, I listen to your show constantly and I've recommended it to so many teachers, oh, family members, other librarians, and saying, listen to how just the love that this man has for reading and for books and for the creative process in general that it's going to spark you to want to go pick up whatever book he is talking about or go pick up any book and just start reading it and take it in for a whole new way thank you can i plug do you mind if i make a plug go for it you do what you need to do so the podcast is called the children's book podcast it's been about seven years running now over 600 episodes with everyone involved in bringing a book from really storyboard to bookshelf. And um, as you said, Emily, I really lean into listening to the conversation and where it wants to take us, but also championing those books from voices from the margins, um, diverse voices, voices that I feel like not only need to be heard, but deserve to be heard. These are books that I think are important forever books, books that'll be around, I hope, for a long, long time. And it's my responsibility to these books to and to readers to lift them up. So I'm glad that these conversations connect with you as well. I have another podcast through Book Riot called Kidlit these days that I co-host with Nicole Young. And in that podcast, we examine the intersection between current events and children's literature it's very, very topical. We um, interview folks from publishing authors and, and publishers and all sorts of, and librarians. We make a book list to go along with the topics, but we really aim at very difficult conversations that need to be brought to light, like access to water, like climate change, like um, trans identity when you're a person of color, like doing anti-racist work. We are constantly asking where 
is the world intersecting with how we are talking to children and how can we do, be doing a better job? So uh, I appreciate you seeing my work and I appreciate you uh, affirming um, the value that you find in it. And it, that means a lot to me. Thank you. No, because I, I do. I, I really, I value how you treat the authors when you interview them. Um, and I really do love how just passionate you are about the work and just really just the process of it all and how a lot of the stories that you do bring to the forefront are personal to each of these authors. It's not just the cookie cutter story that like, you know, how we've seen in a lot of cases where it's like boy meets girl, boy loses girl, boy finds girl again, something like that. But Those books don't need my help. No, exactly. These are the ones that need to be on the forefront of people's minds and on especially librarians and teachers bookshelves. So. Oh yeah. I, I've, it took me a while to embrace the fact that I have a platform, which can make you feel really uncomfortable to know that mm -hmm. you're a gatekeeper that feels, I mean, as a librarian, we are, we choose what books are on our shelf. Absolutely. And as a podcaster, I am, because I choose what voices are on this podcast, but I also, it's also not lost on me that people choose to listen and that those people that listen regularly are folks that know my taste and trust uh, trust in or are holding me responsible for bringing forward who I think are doing the most important work for our, yeah. for our readers. Absolutely. And that's, that's, that's important to me. So thanks. Thanks Absolutely. for that. Absolutely. Well, and thank you so much for taking time out of your day to sit down with me and talk with me and support libraries in every way, shape, and form. So I do That's greatly I appreciate it. <laughs> what I know how to do. Exactly. <laughs> sharing joy. This is the goal of many educators. And thank you to Matthew for bringing joy to so many students and adults. You can find Matthew's podcast, the Children's Book Podcast, and KidLit These Days, wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can follow him on Twitter at Matthew Winner. Our theme music is written, recorded, and produced by Jake Thistle. Thank you for listening. We'll be back soon with new episodes. But for now, stay safe, stay happy, and keep reading.